Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. Today, as we consider not only the implications of graduation, but today is actually a holy day. And we celebrate Pentecost. There is a, as was mentioned, a Pentecost service tonight that I would invite all of you to be a part of. It's at the Princeton Pike Church of God, as was mentioned, at 6 o'clock tonight. It will be a gathering of apostolic churches from all over the city who are coming to celebrate the unity of the faith that can only be found by the unity of the Spirit. And so we celebrate Pentecost today. We celebrate the outpouring of the Spirit to those first believers. However, Pentecost was not originally a Christian celebration. It was a Jewish holy day. The Jews held and do hold festivals and holidays or holy days throughout the year. And so, just as a side note, when somebody says happy holiday to you and something ruffles up in you, like just say Christmas, just know they're saying happy holy day. Just thought you'd like that, but... But the Jews held festivals and Passover being one of the most prominent festivals and it celebrated the Jews coming out of Egypt and coming out from under the hand of slavery. Fifty days later, there was a holiday that was celebrated, and it was the celebration of the law being given on Mount Sinai to Moses. So when they came out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, 50 days later, it was there on the mountain that God gave Moses the law. And so this is the celebration known as Pentecost. And that's significant for us because we as Christians think of Pentecost as the celebration of speaking in tongues. In that it is. But as Christ fulfilled the law and he was crucified as the Passover lamb... We celebrate Easter. Fifty days after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the outpouring of the Spirit came with power as the fulfillment of the prophet Jeremiah. What did the prophet Jeremiah say about the Holy Spirit that would come? He said, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it, on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The Spirit coming was the celebration of the law because now the law was not just in written form, but the law had come into the hearts of every believer. And so Luke, under the inspiration of God, described it like this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, 
They were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was God's fulfillment of the giving of the law. And so the Spirit now was not just speaking in written form, but the Spirit was speaking through man just as God spoke On Mount Sinai, God was speaking through humanity. And so we celebrate Pentecost. We find in this scripture in Deuteronomy that Moses began when they crossed the Red Sea and they come to this point, they are given the law, and it would be Moses as he's kind of finishing up his time on earth. He begins to admonish the children of Israel, and he helps them understand the importance of the law. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, there is a little phrase that's found in verse number 12 that I want to focus on this morning. The English Standard Version translates Deuteronomy 6.12 and says, Then take care, lest you forget the Lord, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of of the house of slavery. Then take care lest you forget. I like that expression. I use it often. Hey, take care. Take care. And I think that's why it stood out to me. Take care that you lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And so this morning I want to preach On this subject, take care. See, God's first command for mankind is interesting to me. Stood out to me. You think of God's first command. What was God's first command for humanity? That they should not eat of the tree of the garden of the knowledge of good and evil. No, that wasn't the first command. The first command was be fruitful and multiply. Before God said not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Now, I I don't want to get too crazy on this, but would things have been different if Adam and Eve had been obedient to the first thing God told them before they started talking to the serpent? I don't know. I don't know. It's getting awkward, but I'm just saying. All right. There were no kids born in the Garden of Eden. I'm just saying. But God would emphasize something I think that's important. God's first command was about the next generation. His first command was about the next generation. And God would continue to emphasize the importance 
of the next generation. So when the law came and God spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, he says to Moses that there's something very important I want you to understand about this law, and that is it's for the next generation. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, 1, now this is the commandment and the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your sons and your sons' sons. Right away, he's saying, this law is not just for you, but there's got to be a passing on of this law to your son and to your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be long. God's plan has always been to multiply his work generationally. But how is this done? See, the next verse, verse 3, we hear the law, or he, he makes this command, Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful. It's the same word we read in our text that says, take care. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful. Take care. Be intentional to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may, what? Multiply greatly. Be fruitful and multiply as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. And then the commandment comes here, O Israel. The Lord, our God, is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And with these words that I command you this day shall be on your heart. And then what does he say in verse 7? You shall teach them. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. He was telling them there's two ways to ensure the next generation has a chance to serve the Lord. Because it is important that they have a chance to serve the Lord. He said there's two ways that this is going to happen. Number one, you've got to teach them diligently. You've got to invest in their education. You've got to be intentional about what you're teaching them. Invest your time. Invest your energy. Invest your resources to ensure that they are learning. And so God, from the very beginning, when he talks about his law, he says, teach it to them. Be diligent, very specific about what you are teaching your children. And number two, he says, talk about it everywhere. That not just systematically and academically teaching them the law, but the law is also caught. The law is also something that the next generation will pick up as you talk about it when you're walking, when you're lying down, when you rise up. And so we'll hasten for sake of time, but you can read the next few verses. They talk about how to keep it in front of them at all times, keeping the law in front of them. And then verse number 12, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. 
There's got to be something about being intentional, about laying it out to the next generation. He says, take care. Everyone say, take care. care. So Moses passes this on to Joshua and to this next generation and teaches them the law, teaches them what they should know. And what happens? Now, we know that Moses was not able to go into the promised land. And while he was not able to go, he did pass on the law. He did pass on the understanding of God and the passion for the things of God. So much so that Joshua and that generation with Joshua was able to move forward. And it's here we find Joshua picking up where Moses left off. Joshua didn't start over. Joshua didn't start over. Joshua picked up where Moses left off. He carried forward what Moses had given him. And so Joshua and the children of Israel during their lifetime saw incredible things happen. They went across the Jordan on dry ground. They inherited the promised land. They took possession of the things that God had promised them. They inherited places. They did great things because they had been recipients of the things of God from the previous generation. However, while the children of Israel had seen amazing things during the lifetime of Joshua, we read one of the saddest accounts in Scripture, in my opinion. Joshua was nearing his death, and so he gathered together the children of Israel And he's going to talk to the next generation, and he's going to try to help them. And the Bible says in Judges chapter 2, verse 6, when Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. Meaning these are the people who were connected to Joshua. Even when Joshua passed away, if they had lived during the lifetime of Joshua, they seen great things and they served the Lord. They had seen the great work that the Lord had done to Israel. And the Bible says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him within the boundaries of the inheritance of Timnatharese in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. And then verse 10. And all the generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord nor the work that he had done for Israel. All that God had commanded, all that God had promised and God had done through them, there arose a generation who did not know the Lord nor the work that he had done. And they served Baal. And the Bible says they abandoned the Lord. That to me is so sad. I I don't know. I don't. I love Joshua in Scripture. Joshua is a great man. But I'm troubled by the fact that that generation did not pass on the things of God to the next generation. I don't know what the breakdown was. I don't know if it was they didn't teach them diligently or they didn't talk about it on their way. 
But at some point, there was a breakdown in the teaching and the talking. And somehow, a next generation of God's people rose up and did not know the Lord. Nor, somehow, they did not know the works that he had done. And I feel challenged today on this graduation Pentecost mix of service to preach that the next generation cannot live off our past experiences with God. This generation that we've paraded across all day today, starting with the the toddlers all the way through the graduates and college graduates, they are not going to be able to sustain what God wants to do in their life just living off of what happened in yesterday. We must take care. We must take care to teach them diligently and to talk about it everywhere we go. And there's a balance. There's a balance between the church and the the home life. We need the church to teach diligently. We need the church to help provide systematic ways and academic ways. That's what the benefit of the church is. But can I tell you also, parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, it's also on us to talk about it as we walk, to talk about it as we drive, to talk about it when we rise up and when we lie down. This generation will only have a chance to know the Lord and the works that he had done if we teach them diligently and we talk about it everywhere we go. This culture is too crazy. This environment's too crazy for the church to be silent. This culture and this environment is speaking loud and clear, and we need a church that will teach diligently. We need parents and grandparents who will talk about it everywhere you go. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Calvary Church, I'm thankful for this amazing church. This is an amazing church. From its inception, it has invested heavily in the next generation. We have been intentional about this. It's in our DNA. But just like Moses uh, passed it on to Joshua, I feel challenged today to not just assume that it's always going to be that way. This generation of the Calvary Church has to be intentional. This generation of the Calvary Church has to take care. We know those of you who have been around the Calvary Church for some time, or if you've just taken our recent Discover Calvary course, you've seen the video, but our founders were amazing people. And one of the things that makes them amazing was their investment and their belief in the next generation. And Mary Alice Pasley was a Pentecostal pioneer in children's ministry. She spent time investing and preaching children's revivals before it was popular. She took care It was Norman Pasley the first who invested in young ministers through a project he called Jonathan Ministries. And you could look at lots of things that they've done, but he was intentional to invest in the next generation all along the way. He took care. 
Together, they started the Calvary Academy in 1979 to allow children and young people to be educated with a Christian worldview. They took care. Bishop Norman Pasley II, our beloved most recent bishop and pastor, spent over 25 years of his life in his ministry speaking into young people. He served as the youth pastor of this church along with his brunette and the the queen mother of our church. And she has the scars to prove it. He served as the Ohio District Youth Secretary and Youth President for 15 years. He preached over 100 youth camps, and he built a Bible-quizzing culture that has seen hundreds of kids impacted by the learning of God's Word, and he invested in young ministers. He took care. And since its inception in 1968, TCC has invested in and has had intentional ministry to the next generation that continues to be the bedrock of what we do around here. Many of you here today have been instrumental in investing in the next generation. Teresa Prophet, Pete Cole Morgan, many of you have served all over to make sure the next generation has a place and has a place to find God. Today, TCC is a thriving church with great ministries to children. Today, Angel Graham leads a great team who teaches our children in Kidsland. Every three years in Kidsland, our children will have walked through the entire Bible. That's amazing to me. Every three years. Our children beginning at the toddler age all the way to fourth grade, every three years, they will, if you've brought them on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and brought them on Wednesday nights at 7.30, they're going to walk through the Bible every three years, the whole Bible. That's amazing. Paul and Tara Mathis lead an amazing team who invest in students in the fifth and sixth grade through Verge 56. Every two years, so they rotate every two years, but every two years they are learning major doctrines of the Bible. And when you bring them on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and you bring them on Wednesday nights at 7.30, you're investing in them. You're allowing them to learn the doctrines of the Word of God. And every two years they're walking through doctrine. And our youth ministry since the 70s, since the 70s, I was born in the 70s. Any 70s babies? All right. 70s, since the 70s, we've had a full-time investment, ministry investment to young people. Today, Anthony and Amber Sizemore, along with their incredible youth staff, are taking our youth to the next level. Oxano is built on strategic environments that help youth belong, learn, experience, share, and serve. And they cover a strategic curriculum that focuses on 10 core principles. And so when you bring them at 10 a.m. on Sunday, you're not dropping them off just for babysitting or bringing them on Wednesday night at 7.30. They're being taught the word of God. And those 10 core principles that they learn 
Our character, devotion, doctrine, worldview, boundaries, wise choices, biblical knowledge, identity, healthy relationships, and otherness. The church is investing in the next generation. We're trying to take care. Since the late 1970s, Bible quizzing has been a major focus of the pastoral leadership of this church, helping young people and children memorize and understand and use the Word of God. I thank God today for Pastor Kristen, who carries this amazing ministry forward. This past, the past two weekends, we've seen our quiz teams carry on the incredible legacy. These quizzers, the senior experience quizzers, I believe learn 500, over 500 verses in about six months. Less than six months, they learn 500 verses. And this year, Emma Lane, Jenna Tokash, and Emma Ellis, I want you to stand. I want you to come up here. They did an incredible job this year. And Emma Lane was the second highest scorer in the state. The team, the team came in second place in our state finals, and they are going to nationals in just a few weeks. Our junior quizzers, how, how many verses did they learn? Does anybody know? How many? Over, 100, over 250 verses these guys have learned. And they have done an incredible job this year. And I believe all of them know all their verses. And so I want to call them up. Joshua Jones, Kennedy Henson, and Max Grubbs. They took sixth this year in state finals, and they are going to nationals. And then our beginners, the, the cutest quizzers you'll ever see. How many verses did they learn? 176 verses they learned. And this team is made up of Ava Ellis, Keegan Henson, Nathan Jones, and Isaac Jones. This team went undefeated at the state tournament. Awesome. And uh, it, she's my daughter, but I, I have to acknowledge it. Ava was the second highest scorer in the state. And, and she won Rookie of the Year. And I'm thankful that not only did the students excel, 
but our own Noah Justy won Coach of the Year. Oh, come on. You're the man. This is an incredible investment that Noah and these coaches and the staff, they took care. You can be seated. Thank you very much. And 40 years ago, in 1979, the Calvary Academy opened as a place for parents to be intentional about their children's education. Providing an apostolic Christian worldview, the Calvary Academy has seen since 1979 nearly 2,000 students come through its doors. Today, the Calvary Academy is providing a high-quality academic experience in a safe Christian-led environment. And today, most likely, you receive some kind of brochure about the Calvary Academy. We want you to know about it. Cincinnati is blessed Cincinnati is blessed with great educational institutions. Our students in our church go to all a variety of uh, academic organizations, and we have some amazing academic organizations, and we thank God for that. But from its inception, the Calvary Academy has uh, uh, hoped to be able to provide a Christian base, an apostolic worldview with a high-quality education. It's come a long way since its beginnings, but its passion remains the same, being a place for parents to take care. Parents are oftentimes motivated by five things concerning their child's education, parents and guardians. What is my child learning? And so curriculum is kind of a big deal, and curriculum is a vital component to a student's overall learning experience, and parents want to know what their children are learning and how it will impact their overall worldview. TCA's classrooms instruct in a way that aligns with Ohio academic content standards as well as national educational standards, but using a biblical-based curriculum presented from a Christian worldview. Parents who want their students to have a quality academic foundation with a biblical worldview will find the curriculum to be well-suited for excellence. Who is teaching our children? Teachers have a tremendous impact on the growth and development and emotional strength of children and youth. Their effect re reverberates even into uh, adulthood. How many have a favorite teacher? Remember a teacher in your childhood who invested in you. TCA provides a, a lower teacher-to-student ratio and allows students to get individual attention. Teachers are Christians here, hopefully, as well as Christian and community leaders who live out the love of Christ among their students. I, I feel blessed to be able to have leaders from our church and leaders in this community, apostolic Christian leaders who are speaking into the lives of our students. Who is influencing our children? What's the social environment like? Many parents are having to answer that question. And so 
it is very important to a, a child's development what they socially go through. And so TCA provides a healthy social opportunity for students to learn how to interact and socialize in a smaller environment, mirroring a typical world, uh, business world, work environment. And where are they learning? What's the environment like? The environment in which a child learns can be a great catalyst for development. Smaller schools like TCA, while not able to provide all of the programming of larger institutions, still can provide a safe, intimate learning environment as well as exposure to technology and resources by drawing from partnerships with other outside organizations. And so TCA facilitates and provides a safe, well-maintained, and energetic environment for students to learn. TCA is partnered with extracurricular education organizations and allows for a well-rounded opportunity for students to grow and develop. And I thank God for this environment. And its parents ultimately ask, how much is it going to cost? What's the cost of education for my student. It's an important factor. And while it's true that the financial cost for private education over public is higher, choosing private education is an investment in your student's academic, relational, and spiritual future. TCA provides a high-quality, Christ-centered education at a competitive price. Through TCA, TCC members can receive scholarships and the opportunity for families who desire to attend, we work with and try to provide financial aid at all costs. We try to do that as well as stay uh, effective in the world. So thank you to all of you who give to the Bishop's Scholarship. Many of you give to the Bishop Scholarship and you don't have any students who attend. You've never had maybe even a student attend, but you see the investment. You see the opportunity for the Calvary Church as a whole to take care. Students at the Calvary Academy are finding spiritual, academic, and professional success. This is something that all of us at the Calvary Church, no matter of our level of interaction with TCA, should be thankful and excited about. We are investing in education. Over the last 10 years, TCA has seen students achieve some great accomplishments. Students who have completed TCA have found spiritual, academic, and professional success after they leave. From a student being a faculty instructor at Miami University to a student being in full-time ministry to a student being a certified public accountant, to a student being an assistant prosecutor here in Cincinnati, to a student this year getting a full-ride scholarship to The Ohio State University, TCA students are finding great achievement. And the exciting news is TCA is expanding. The Bishop Center is going to be a great catalyst for greater things at the Calvary Academy. And Lord willing, in the fall or early winter of next year, we will be opening the child care and preschool portion of our school across the street. And TCA partners with families now. We'll be partnering with families from infant through 12th grade. That should be something all of us should be excited about. To God be the glory. Because as I mentioned, every parent has their own set of values. They have their own set of things that are important. 
But the Calvary Church wants to offer to those parents who want an environment like this, a high-quality environment where students can come and be safe and learn in a Christian world environment, and we're thankful for it. Not everybody uses the Calvary Academy, and we don't, we don't draw lines in the sand on who is used at the Calvary Church, whether your student attends the Calvary Academy or not. Everybody has their own way, but I think all of us should know about the Calvary Academy. And if you're talking to somebody who's looking for something like this, you can have confidence that if you tell them about the Calvary Academy, it's going to be a great learning experience for them because we're called to take care. We're called to teach diligently, and we're called to talk about it everywhere. So why am I saying all this today? Because I want us to never lose our vision for the next generation. I pray it is never said of the Calvary Church that there arose a generation at the Calvary Church that did not know the Lord nor the works that he had done. So how do we ensure this today? Jesus said, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. We must take care. We must be intentional about what is happening with the next generation. Passively hoping that they get it is contrary to Scripture. Passively allowing culture to help them define what is right and what is wrong is faulty spiritual reasoning. We must actively, passionately, and intentionally invest in the next generation. That means keeping them engaged in the things of God, encouraging them to good works, challenging them to know God's word, investing in their spiritual, academic, and professional success. Today we celebrate Pentecost. Today, we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We celebrate God's law coming into our hearts. Fifty days after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came with power. The Holy Spirit came with the experience of speaking in other tongues. It happened so much so that those from all over the world who had gathered in the city of Jerusalem for that festival called Pentecost, were amazed because the Holy Spirit was being poured out on people who were speaking in languages they did not understand, even though they knew that these people were not from their country. They were speaking their language. And this gave Peter the opportunity to tell them about Jesus Christ. And so he told them how Christ died, how Christ was buried, And how Christ rose again. And so when they heard about Christ and they heard this, the Bible says that they asked Peter and the rest of the the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What are we supposed to do about this? And Peter said, repent. Turn from your sin. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness or remission of your sins. And you too will receive the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. What does he say? For the promise is for you. The promise is for your children. The promise is for all who are far off. That promise of the Holy Spirit was not just for them. And Peter made sure to take care. Be careful to teach them. Be careful to talk about it. Because the Spirit of God is for every generation. I want you to stand with me this morning. So I feel compelled today to speak to the Calvary Church coming on the heels of an amazing revival. Coming on the heels of an amazing experience with God. I feel called to challenge us to make sure that we take care. To be intentional. We are called to be deliberate about the next generation. And I'm not just speaking today to parents. I want you to know that. I'm not just speaking to grandparents or aunts and uncles. Maybe you don't have any children. But we all have the responsibility as the church to take care. To help this next generation understand who God is and what God can do. And so we're called. We're called to be calculated. We're called to be thoughtful. We're called to be planned and premeditated and purposeful. One of the many highlights, I expressed them at the beginning of this message, one of the many highlights of our summer revival was that eight people received the Holy Spirit on Wednesday night. Right in this front area, eight people experienced the power of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues. And what was amazing to me was that I believe seven of the eight were under the age of 20. It was young people who were reaching for the things of God. It was young people, some sitting here. I I know we had some right here. Morgan, raise your hand. She received the Holy Spirit. There were some. Max, right? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Wave your hand, Max. If I'm missing somebody, just wave your hand. Jackson, that's right. Jackson Hopkins received the Holy Spirit. What's amazing about that is that they'll never forget it. Because this church gave the next generation an opportunity to know the Lord and the works that he can do. There were healings in this revival. There were miracles in this revival. We're not just talking about the miracles that happened in the 60s and 70s around here. We're talking about miracles that are happening today. Lives that are being changed today. And this morning, David Mathis, 10-year-old boy, is going to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for a church today that took care and takes care. 
And as we begin this time together, this time of prayer, I feel led this morning. I'm not going to invite you to come to the front. But I'm going to invite, I want all those who have children between the ages of 20 and down, I want you to lift your hand. You have children. Raise them high. We pray for you. No. We are going to pray for you. Those of you who have daughters, right? No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Only daughters. Um, but we're going to pray. Yeah, we, uh, thank you. We're going to pray for our parents this morning. This is a challenging culture. This is a challenging time. My dad had it so easy. Good Lord. He had it so easy. I mean, just throw us outside and that's it. We're taken care of. But this generation with all of its spin, cultural spin, and all the technology that grabs a hold There's so many challenges to our parents, and I feel for you today. But what I'm confident of is if the Lord has put you in this generation, he's going to equip you to be the great parents God has called you to be in this generation. Amen. So I want you to lift your hand. We're going to pray again for our parents. If you see a parent next to you, those parents uh, with students between the ages of 20 and down, lift your hand. We're going to pray for you. Lord, we pray right now for our parents. God, we pray for those, God, who are tasked not only with teaching, but, Lord, with talking. God, I pray you would give them wisdom for this generation. You would give them wisdom on what to say, how to navigate it. Lord, we all have different rules. We all have different things that we try to do to help our children be successful in life. But, Lord, I'm praying you would give us the courage to be who you're calling us to be. Give us the courage to take care. Give us the courage, God, to be careful. Give us the courage to be intentional about what you're calling us to do. God, those who have infants and toddlers, Lord, I pray you would surround them with people who can help them. Surround them, Lord. Maybe they don't have a grandparents or maybe they don't have aunts and uncles that they they can just help have them help them God with their their day-to-day life I pray you would surround them with church people I pray you would surround them Lord with members of our congregation who will hold them and help them and lift them up Lord you've called us in this generation to be mighty you've called us in this generation Lord to be great parents and and to serve this next generation oh God We need your help today. I wonder if a parent would just pray that prayer. Lord, I need your help today. I need your help today, God, to lead and to direct and to guide. Help us, oh God, to teach diligently. Help us, oh God, to talk about it everywhere we go. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.